the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Good morning, church. Welcome to worship. Do me a favor. We have folks joining us online and others joining us at our other campuses. Would you just take a moment and welcome them to worship as well? Now take your copy of God's Word, whether it's written like this or whether it's a a device, and turn to Genesis chapter 12. We're going to start in the beginning, Genesis chapter 12, and then find something to write with, a pen, pencil, lipstick, Crayola, your thumbs, whatever you can write with, and find something to write on, because this is a message that's going to go fast, a lot of information, and I think you're going to want to kind of take some of this with you because it's very practical with what's going on in our world today. Because here's the reality. 15 days ago, like you, I woke up, I turned on the news, I saw the news of this awful terrorist attack in Israel. And as the reports continued to come in, I began to think, what? in the world is going on. It's awful. This group named Hamas, who was chartered a few decades ago and in their public charter have made it clear that their desire is to kill Jewish people and to see the nation of Israel destroyed. They went into the land of Israel and they murdered husbands and wives in their beds children in their cribs. They raped and tortured men and women. And you hear these reports and you begin to think, how can this be so? It's not since the Yom Kippur War in 1973 that the nation of Israel had been attacked in this way. You may have heard the reports that Israel is enduring their 9-11. That's not exactly true. 9-11 was awful. As I was talking with my two college-age sons last night, one was born a month after 9-11. I was telling them how the, the world kind of came together, it seemed, at that time. And certainly in our country, everybody seemed to be on the same page, and we recognized evil. While this is evil, what's taking place in Israel, if you look at the population of Israel versus the population of the United States, it's about 30 times the devastation of what we experienced on 9-11. Two weeks into this conflict, it seems like the entire region of the Middle East is in turmoil. And that's not the only part of the world at war. Russia continues to invade Ukraine. Ukraine. 
the large nations of China and North Korea and Iran have known evil dictators who are making threats all over the world. And you can't help but wonder what in the world is going on. But even if you look in our media, it seems like it seems like what's taking place in Israel is different. It seems like this must have greater meaning to us. And so while we all ask what in the world is going on, we also ask, well, why does this matter to me? Is this the beginning of the end? Because the Bible says things like this, there will be wars and rumors of wars. There'll be natural disasters, earthquakes, and though it didn't make much of the news, the same week that the terrorist attack took place in Israel, two massive earthquakes took place in Afghanistan, killing thousands of people. Is this the beginning of the end? I don't know. Because Jesus said, no one knows. But this is what we know. According to Scripture... Israel and her people are a special part of God's forever plan. And so I want to talk about that from a biblical context, maybe address some of what we're seeing in the news, but help you understand that. Because unless you've studied the Old Testament and understand how that fits in with our covenant through Jesus Christ, you you may not understand why people would act like this is a big deal. But before we do that, I want you just to think about some of the things we as Christ followers owe to the people of Israel, the Jewish people. For example, take out that copy of scripture that you're holding in your hand, whether it's on an iPad or a phone or it looks like this. All of the Bible, perhaps with the exception of the books of Luke and Acts, were written by Jewish people. All of the Bible. The one we've gathered to worship, the one we pray to, the one we've sung about is a Jewish Messiah. Jesus is a Jewish rabbi. He is of the Jewish people. He was born in the modern day land of Israel in a city you can visit. Wouldn't suggest doing it this week, but one day we can visit the city of Bethlehem. He lived and ministered in a part of the modern-day nation of Israel in a region called Galilee. You can go to his hometown. It's called Capernaum. It has a sign that says the hometown of Jesus. You can go stand in the place in Caesarea Philippi where, where Jesus looked at Peter and says, Who do you say that I am? And Jesus says, I believe you're Jesus, the Son of the living God, the Messiah. You can visit these places. You can go to Jerusalem where Jesus spent his last days with his disciples, where he died on a cross. And you can visit what very well may be the the open tomb, the grave where Jesus' body does not lay because Jesus rose from the dead in Jerusalem. You can go to the southern steps of that second temple and you can see where Jesus ascended into heaven. And you can look off just into the sky, and you can see where Scripture says Jesus will come again. You see, this is a special place. 
And if you're a follower of Jesus, it's special to you because according to scripture, Israel and her people are a special part of God's forever plan. Now, Israel is a small country, but it's a big deal. If you look on it, a map of, of that region of the world, you can see how small it is. You can see the landmass of Saudi Arabia and even Egypt and Sudan there in Africa. You can see how big Iran is and Iraq next to it. And above it, how Turkey is this massive land that we read about in Scripture. And on this map, you can hardly even see this little sliver of land that's called Israel. If you zoom that in a little closer, you can see how Israel is surrounded by all of these Muslim nations, by nations like Egypt and Jordan and Lebanon and Syria. And you see again just that little bit of Israel. In that particular map, you see that Israel, the Jewish people, lead out in that orange part of the land. You see a blue part of the land that is the West Bank that butts right up to the Jordan River. And then you see a little sliver next to the sea that is the Gaza Strip where so much of the news is focused today. But this is the same land that we read about in the book. This is the land of Israel in the scriptures. You may be able to look in the back of your Bible and see a map like this that is the land where Jesus walked, where he taught and where he served. You see the names there that are with the stories that we read about in the Bible. Israel's a big deal because we're living in God's kingdom. We're between the already, what you see on a map like that, and the not yet, because we know that Jesus is coming back. So when we talk about this, we want to get it right. We're not a pundit on CNN or Fox News We're not wanting to just tell you what we think. We want to look at Scripture and say, what does a follower of Christ believe about what's going on in our world? And why should it matter to me? So I want to cover this time once more in prayer. So Father, God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, God of us, creator, our savior. We come to this moment with open ears, with open eyes, with an open heart and an open mind. And our simple prayer is give us what we need that we don't have. Teach us new things from your spirit today. Make us different because we're here. God, as pastor of this local expression of the body of Christ, I thank you for the crowd that has gathered. But I know that in this room, there must be someone that has not yet understood what it means to see Jesus as the Messiah. So, Lord, for that person, may this be the day of salvation. For all of us, may we walk away more ready to see you face to face, Jesus. And for me in these moments. Would you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you? Because you are my strength, my redeemer, the redeemer of Israel, the Messiah. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. In Genesis chapter 12, you're going to see what Scripture refers to 
as a covenant with Abram. Listen to the word of God beginning in verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. And just that verse is one we've preached on a lot because it really depicts faith in action. That's what it's like to follow God. You don't always have the answers. You don't always know the where, but you know that God is saying, hey, go even where I'm going to show you. Just trust me and do what I say. But we're not focusing on that today. Let's continue. Here comes the covenant. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went as far as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he set out for Haran. He took his wife, Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions that they'd accumulated, all the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. That's going to be important. Remember that, the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. And Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he went toward the hills east of Bethel and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and he called on the name of the Lord. Now look in chapter 13, just the next page, beginning in verse 14. The Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, look around from where you are to the north and south and to the east and west. All the land that you see, I will give you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that anyone could count the dust. Then your offspring could be counted. Go walk through the length and breadth of the land for I am giving it to you. And then chapter 17, Abram fell face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You'll be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give you as an everlasting, say everlasting, everlasting everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Now, I'm going to give you a quick reminder of the context of when this was taking place in history. All right? God appears to Abram at about 2000 B.C., We're here today at 2023 A.D., right? So we're about 4,023 years away from this. 2000 B.C. I want to put that in a relevant religious context. Because a lot of people today would say this is a battle between the land and the people of Islam and the land and the people of Islam of Judaism, and even Christianity. The problem with that is we know when Islam came on the scene. 
Do you know when Islam came on the scene? It was about 2,600 years after this encounter with Abram. It was in the 7th century. Between 610 and 622 AD, allegedly, this man, this prophet named Muhammad, received this revelation from who he called Allah. Let me say this in case I forget to say it again. We don't believe that Allah, the God of Islam, is the same as our God, the God of Christianity and the God of Judaism. This is a different religion. So what can we learn from what took place in the passage we read? God's covenant with Abraham. There's several things I want you to see. This is why the news is relevant, but it's also why it's relevant in your life. Number one, God has always been about relationships with his people. We're in Genesis, which means the beginning. We're in chapter 12. If you go back to the very beginning in chapter one, God created all that is. And then he looked around and something was missing. And so from the dust, he created man. Why did God create humankind? He created us for relationship, for fellowship with him. So from literally the first page of the Bible, the God we serve, the God that we do have some religious expressions that allow us to worship, he is a God that deals in personal relationship with his creation. If you talk to people from other religions, that distinguishes Christianity. Other religions don't have a God that wants a personal relationship with them. They can't fathom that, particularly Muslims who are coming from an Islamic background. They can't fathom that God would love them in spite of their sin, that God would want to have a personal relationship with him. God continues that personal relationship all the way up until we meet this man named Abram. He has a personal relationship with the crown of his creation, Adam and Eve, even in spite of their sin. He has a personal relationship with Noah, this preacher of righteousness. And now we're finding out he meets Abram in a personal way. He's a relational God. And so before we know that there's a special land called Israel, we know there's a special man called Abram. And there's a lot of things that God may do in your life that are blessings to your life. But the greatest thing you'll ever experience is that personal relationship with God. And as you're going to see, what Scripture tells us is that personal relationship comes through Jesus Christ. Because of this man, here's what we know. The Jewish nation is the only nation whose origin can be tracked back to one person. Have you ever thought of that? Name the first Englishman. You can't. You can't name the first Swede. You can't name the first Chinese. But you can name the first Hebrew, the first Jewish person. His name is Abram. And God worked in a relationship with this one man. In fact, the birth of this nation really begins with a miracle. Not a virgin birth like Jesus but an old lady birth that was about as close as you could get, right? Because God promises this man named Abram 
that from his seed, from him, will be this great nation. The problem is, here where you meet Abram, he's 75. By the time God comes back to Abraham and Sarah and says, you're going to have a child, he's about 100. He's an old man and she's an old lady. But God keeps his promise. So that's the second thing I want you to know. God cares about relationship. He cares about people. He's into people. But the second thing is that God always keeps his promises with his people. Our God is a promise-keeping God. Do you know that? When he talked to Abram, did you hear what he said? I will do this. I will do this. I will do this. I will do this. God's word is full of promises to you. His word is full of promises to us today, just as they were full of promises to Abram. In these specific promises, God gave promises regarding this land. And did you know that every prophet in the Old Testament, except for Malachi, every prophet repeats the same promise of land? Scripture's consistent. This is not a one and out. We could spend all morning just reading the references to the land promise for Abram and his people over and over again. Well, what did he promise Abram? Well, it was a personal promise. It was to him. And I just want to remind you, God's promises to you are personal as well. His relationship with you is personal. It's not unusual. I meet someone and I ask them about their relationship with God and they say something like this. I've always been a Christian. And I always say something like this. No, you haven't. That's not the way it works. It doesn't matter that you grew up with a good mama that went to church or a good daddy that was a Baptist deacon or a granddaddy that was a preacher. The the reality is your relationship with God is personal because that's the way he deals with his promises. They're personal promises. But in this case, it was an unconditional promise. It wasn't based on what Abram did. Did you catch that? It wasn't, hey, Abram, if you do the right things, I'm going to make your nation great. Nope, that's not the way it worked. It was unconditional. And that's the way God loves you too. He loves you with an unconditional love. Aren't you thankful that when God looks at us, he doesn't see a summary of all the worst moments of our life? But if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he looks at us and he sees his son, Jesus the Christ. It was an unconditional promise. In this case, it was a territorial promise because he literally could draw out on a map all the territory he was given to Israel. And by the way, just for those, if we wanted to get into a geography lesson a little more today, Israel today, the nation of Israel, isn't even coming close to occupying all the land that God gave to the children of Israel back then. It was a territorial promise. It was a national promise. He did talk about creating a nation. It was a reciprocal promise because he said, those who bless you will be blessed. Those who curse you will be cursed. It was a universal promise and that it affects us. It affects everybody still today. He was saying, this is going to affect all of those who live after you. And it was an eternal promise because over and over and over again, he said things like this, everlasting and forever. God didn't say to Abraham, hey, this is good for you just as long as it works in a geopolitical context. He said, no, this is my promise to you forever. So what was the promise? You will be a great nation. You will have a great name. You will be a great blessing, and you will be a great curse. Let me just say a word about that curse. Why would God say those who curse you will be cursed? Because Israel has always been a part of God's special forever plan. 
And so throughout history, those who've come about against Israel have always ended up in worse shape than Israel. Someone said the dustbin of history is filled with those who stood against Israel. Now, before I move past promises, let me just say once again, we worship today in the light of Calvary. We worship the promised Messiah, Jesus the Christ. And as we worship, just like Abram, we're still standing on the promises of Christ our Lord. He's a promise-keeping God. So remember this, you're not saved because you make promises to God. You're saved because you believe the promises that he's made to us. All right? You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. Be encouraged by The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on Faith Talk Tampa. Online at letstalkfaith.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.